This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is a hundred percent Australian owned and local. Phone one three one eight zero six. It's a really good choice, I think, Caro, for Biden. And she is particularly good under pressure. She's tough. She's a good debater. And what I love about her most is she's not afraid of Donald Trump. The members have helped save their clubs. Incredible story, given that, you know, a lot of them are on Job Seeker and Job Keeper and not earning any money at all. They've stayed with their footy clubs because they love them. So very good news. And I think people just don't lick your fingers and then go and touch all the fruit. Honestly, what's the point? But it's very hard to buy an avocado without giving it a little feel, you must admit. Caro, I was horrified, horrified to see those tigers in such a terrible, grubby story as the groping story. It was two players, Jade and Short, a few weeks ago, and then more recently, Nick Slostone, touching the genitals, and in one case, around the back, of Marby or Chol. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Welcome, everybody, to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 139, and I am here via the screen because we are Zooming from home today, here with Caroline Wilson. Hi, Caro. G'day, Corrie, and Don't Shoot the Messenger, everyone. 139, how have we done it, Corrie? Well, Caro, even bigger than the fact that we're heading toward the 150, do you know this month we celebrate our third birthday? Well, well, well. (laughs) So we have been chatting on for three years, well, dare I say 40, but we have been chatting on like this on the podcast for three years. And can I just um, take the opportunity to thank everybody who listens to us and sends us so many lovely messages each week. Really appreciate it. Corrie, um, I never thought we'd be celebrating our third birthday in isolation. I've got to say, I didn't even know what isolation really meant when we kicked off this. But um, we should thank Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, for also supporting us. And we've got some lovely, we've got a lot of feedback this week, some of it lovely, some of it not so lovely. Do you want to kick off? Yeah, I will do. I will uh, mention Vivian Morris, who sent a lovely email. Um, it was it was so nice to hear from her. And she said, I have a mother living in Hong Kong and a sister living in Canada, a brother-in-law living in the US. I don't know when I'll be able to see them again, especially my mum, who is in her 80s. And my heart breaks every time I hear in the news of an elderly person who dies from the virus. And she And Vivian says... To a Chinese, it is one of the biggest sins and the children will have to carry it with them for the rest of their lives. I cannot bear the thought of, um, which she means not being with her parents. Um, So thank you, Corrie and Caro, for sharing your anguish with us. A genuine frankness of female vulnerability that an all-male podcast cannot achieve. I really appreciate you creating the space for that. Well, I I have – thank you, Vivian. I have heard a few podcasts – Um, during lockdown, particularly ones coming up from the UK where blokes are talking about how they're feeling. I think a lot of blokes are very aware of um, what everyone's going through, but thanks, we appreciate that. And Sarah J Buckley on Instagram said, Adore you girls. Honestly, your podcast, it's been like a warm hug, even in Sydney. Oh, isn't that lovely? I'm a bit concerned, it is, I'm a bit concerned about M2362D, who also got in touch via Instagram. She's watched the entire series of Yellowstone. 
an entire three series of Yellowstone in seven days. But she um, thanks us for the recommendation. So very happy about that. Um, I'm only up to series two and I'm loving it. Um, boy, they are crazy, that family in Yellowstone. Corrie, you'll love it when you get into it. Now, if you people are not happy about Daniel Andrews being your crush of the week, Corrie, we should say you also included uh, Gladys Berejiklian, the New South Wales Premier, in your crush. Um, but some people just couldn't believe that um, you would make Daniel Andrews your crush given the balls up of the quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but um, Lisa Garnasia via Insta agreed with you. She said, another fab episode. I'm with you, Corrie. The calm and patience of Dan Andrews standing up at the podium every day, taking daily, taking every question from journalists. Some annoying shows his dedication and strength. So mixed views on Daniel Andrews. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think my point there was last week was I admired his work capacity. But as I said last week, all the inquiries will reveal, uh, and in fact, we, we're learning it this week, of the um, the seriousness and the depth of knowledge or otherwise that the Premier and his ministers had over the quarantine episode. Caro, I also took a bit of a battering, and fair enough, I guess, from Bronwyn B, who sent us an email. She started off the email saying that she loves listening to us every week, so thanks, Bronwyn, and also thanks for emailing us. Good, bad and the ugly, we'll take it all. And she said that she was disappointed by something that I said, and she said, Corrie, we can't all be slim. Please never judge someone who is overweight trying to exercise, lockdown or no lockdown, mask or no mask, run or shuffle. We should be applauding and supporting the fact that the person is out there trying to exercise. Be kind. Well, Bronwyn, I agree, and uh, I can't, it is a, probably a mere culpa. I was, um, last week, when I talked about my personal trainer, Rosie, observed to me that a lot of people had taken their masks off and were doing a shuffle, and we talked about the dangers of people who hadn't built up their fitness of running. My concern was more about people running who perhaps should be building up their fitness first. Um, we don't want everybody collapsing on the, uh, you know, on the footpath, Caro, do we? She also... <laughs> she, no, um, Corrie, but we can't all be slim. <laughs> no, well, that's exactly right, Caro, and it's not about weight. It is just about keeping an eye on your fitness level. But I have to say, Caro, just to, if we morph into the um, August challenges, and my challenge has been to do the 60,000 steps I know we've had an extra day between podcasts, which is very fortunate because my total is 63,272 steps. So I've achieved my 60,000 for the week only just with the extra day. But can I just say to potties that they've been, because of this challenge, it has really forced me at times to go out and go around the block and, uh, you know, within my one-hour confine, which shutdown uh, determines. And I have to say that even at like at the depths of, oh, I'm busy or, you know, I just want to have a hot bath or something, actually going out and going for a walk, it makes you feel better 100% of the time. Don't you agree? You never regret a walk, particularly if there's a coffee at the end. And mercifully, we can still get takeaway coffee, just like you never regret a swim. You always feel you can face things better. And it has been tougher this time. I mean, it has been, we'll talk about isolation and stage four. It has not been enjoyable. No one's really enjoying it. It's not a nightmare, but it's also not great. And um, I think that's why people are, everyone's feeling a little bit brittle. Corrie, I'm, um, my, was my challenge to pick a beautiful posy from my garden every week? 
It was, and you were going to Instagram, pop it on our Instagram. Well, I've not only have I picked one perfect posy, but I've picked two. Oh so, gosh! Um, Show us on the big screen. Well, I'll send you. I'll send you both a, a photo at the end. But I went round. I dropped some stuff round at Jules' house, round at um, Mum's house, and she left secateurs outside for me while she was inside. And I picked a beautiful bunch of her hellebores, winter roses, and they droop a bit. But if you cut the stems in the middle, they do hold their form for quite what, some time. What do, you, what do you mean, cut the stems in the middle? Well, you know how you do. Um, you know how you do with hydrangeas? You split the middle of the stems when, before you plunge them into water. Oh, yep, got it. Um, and then then I've done um, my white Daphne's out and, um, I well, I did a bit of a, a Miss Jane. I actually went on a bit of a walk and on my walk I might have snipped a few native little purple flowers. Jane, I don't know what they are, but you'll probably notice. Anyway, you'll probably be able to identify them in the photo. We also – so I've got two and I'll put them both up. Um our friend Katrina Milano tuned in yesterday. Was sorry to hear that flowers were no being no longer being sold at markets, but um, they have adapted to a ring and collect system, which is terrific. So thank you, Katrina. If you want a vase of bought flowers at home, you can buy them sort of over the airwaves, over the telephone from your usual market stall holder. Take care, by the way, Corrie from Katrina. She loves our podcast. Oh, that's so. That is so lovely to hear. So, Caro, we'll go on to the stage four lockdown. We are now. We've notched up a week. Dare I say, five to go, which is uh, <laughs> pretty confronting. But I'm look- calling it four and a half. Four and a half. Come on, we're, we're a few days into week two. <laughs> oh, I love. I love your optimism. That because I did wake up this morning just feeling a little bit flat. I have to say, um, but. Um, Yes, Melburnians, we have notched up week one, and so congratulations to us. Um, and the daily total of confirmed cases, Touchwood, has been on a slight um, downward turn over the past couple of days, which is uh, the good news. Um, although, our, as they say, that our thoughts and prayers do go out to those who have lost family members, and there are way too many of those people. So, Carol, I wondered what would be, uh, just looking over the last seven days, what would be your key observations of this particular time? Well, I think one of the most sensible things the state government in Victoria has done is, um, as of the last couple of days, they've started tweeting out the numbers. And pretty much as soon as they have the numbers confirmed, rather than wait for the press conference with Daniel Andrews, which is usually between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock, whatever time, they're actually going out on social media around 9 o'clock. And I reckon that is a really good idea because I think there was some research showing that the anxiety people were having every day as um, we waited for the announcement from the Premier um, and always the numbers were usually being leaked out and then there was concern. Remember the day, remember that terrible day that it was 700 and something the first time when we were still in stage three and there was a rumour and then it was rumoured on radio, then it was confirmed on radio, then there was a press conference. I think that's getting rid of a lot of unnecessary angst by by tweeting that. So that's been one really good move. Um, you go out for a walk now and the faces aren't that happy, are they? There's a lot of grumpy cross faces on their wall. I know, I know we said before we love walking, but people don't, even behind the mask, you can tell they're not that happy. Yeah, Caro, I'm, um, I am particularly concerned about the mental health of 
friends and family, not to not to point the finger at anybody on this screen or anybody in particular, but I have observed uh, just uh, real sort of character changes, I would call them, um, high anxiety in some conversations, a bit of snippiness, I have to say, from a couple of family members, uh, myself included, I must say, and I can only put it down to the tension that we're all feeling. Carol, I listened to a really interesting uh, new podcast that Michelle Obama is doing on Spotify. Highly recommend it. And in the first week, which was a couple of weeks ago, the first episode, she chatted to her husband, Barack, which was a great, uh, a really great chat. This week, she's interviewed a journalist and broadcaster, Michelle Norris. And during their chat, um, and you would love it, Cara, because these two African-American women talk about television shows they grew up with in the 70s, and they talked about Julia. Do you remember the show you and I loved as kids? Yep. And they talk about what and how impactful that show was for them. Diane Carroll, was it? Yeah, Diane Carroll. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so interesting to hear them talking about, you know, what a great role model she was for them as little girls. But Michelle Obama was talking about and admitted to having um, suffered low-level depression during lockdown. And she said, there have been periods throughout this quarantine where I felt I just felt too low. You know, I've gone through those emotional highs and lows I think everybody feels, and you just don't feel yourself. And I know I'm dealing with some form of lower grade depression. And um, I found that quite interesting because she talks about the sort of the physical and emotional impact of that. And some days waking up and just feeling exhausted, exhausted by the whole uh, business of the virus. And I must say, I have felt a little bit like that too some mornings in the past week. I've woken up and just thought, what's the point? Where are we going? I don't know whether you've felt that. Look, no, I haven't. Um, I've actually had a bit of a – the festival of footy has meant that footy classifieds had a bit of a hiatus and I hate to go bang on about my home improvements, Corrie, but I'm still – I am determined to get through this horrible disaster, state of disaster with a cleaner, more um, streamlined home, which I definitely have, and I'm throwing out a lot of stuff and I'm still sorting through cupboards. I feel I'm avoiding bed. I know I've read that a lot of people are spending more time in bed. I read I'm avoiding... in The Age last week, Cara. Wasn't that interesting? Are you spending more time in bed? No, I'm avoiding it like the plague because in normal times, you know, I'm working really hard and if I've got an afternoon off, I love crawling back into bed with a book or the papers, but I'm avoiding that. I'm sort of making myself sort of stay away from that and it, maybe sit down with the papers, but certainly not get back on the bed because I'm worried if I do hit the sack, I might never, never get up again. I haven't hit that stage yet. I feel as though we've had a, a few beautiful days in Melbourne. I feel as though winter's just come and gone and we've sort of missed it, which is weird, isn't it? Don't you feel that we've missed winter? I'm sorry, you are the girl who said back in March you were expecting an Indian summer and it hovered around 14 degrees for about a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, but it came in winter instead. I was just a bit so early. You, I you was cre- early with my cre- prediction. You cre- the good, the good I, weather has sorry, the sorry. good weather has definitely cheered me up. And I agree there there've been moments of feeling a bit down and a bit frustrated and but at, as yet, I'm sort of I'm sort of coping, and but I do agree that you've just got to check in on people all the time, particularly yeah. family members. Check in on friends and family and also check in on yourself. Do a bit of a health check. If you are concerned, potties, 
a couple of good websites you can turn to, headspace.org.au or beyondblue.org.au if you just need a bit of a um, – there, there's a lot of sort of advice, uh, good and bad, I would suggest, on the internet, but those two sites in particular I highly recommend. Um, if you're thinking, do I have depression or not, um, what should I be doing – Every psychiatrist that you read says that you must, establishing a daily routine during lockdown is a really great idea. Yep. And establishing healthy patterns like managing your sleep, eating at regular times, having lots of um, vegetables in particular, um, and having meaningful interactions. And one one psychiatrist um, I have taken on board, he's an American actually, Dr. Sullivan from Staten Island University. He says, have meaningful social interactions early in the morning because it sets you up for the day. And I've been doing that, um, ringing family or friends early on. Gee, it helps. It's really, um, it's uh, it's a really... That's what we're doing now, isn't it? Aren't we having a meaningful social interaction? <laughs> in the morning. So, Carol, what is the, of the past um, few days, what's the worst COVID story uh, that you have heard, apart from the um, daily number of deaths in Victoria, which is just like shooting ice through my veins, I have to say. Oh, look, the, the, the worst the worst ones, uh, well, probably the worst one was that woman in Frankston last week who almost body slammed the policewoman who told her, who, you know, told her off for not wearing a mask. I mean, I feel so sorry. We keep talking about people in the front line and, you know, that's health services, education services, but particularly the police who are having to keep an eye on these idiots who refuse to wear masks. And that sort of violent response to a young policewoman, that absolutely horrified me, just horrified me. It was pretty terrible. For me, it was watching 7.30 on the ABC on Monday night. They had this absolutely chilling, chilling report on small businesses collapsing under the pressure of this second lockdown, which is pretty close to home for me at the bookshop. <laughs> and um, I just, I went to bed very early that night. I, I thought, I just can't cope here. This is really depressing. Caro, the nicest COVID story that I heard this week was uh, the Royal Melbourne Hospital's Dr. Jonathan, Paps, Jonathan Papson, his PPE rap song. Have you heard this? Oh, yeah, hysterical. He's the emergency physician and director of education at the Royal Melbourne. He was very concerned about the number of health workers in Victoria that are currently infected with COVID-19. And so as a result, he thought, right, I'm going to develop a little routine with putting on personal productive, protect, sorry, personal protective equipment or PPE as we know it. And he's developed this little rap. Carol, it has gone viral. Here's a little taste of it. Put on your gown. Put on your mask. Uh, make a picture face. Put on your goggles. Put on your gloves. Uh, check your cuffs. Gown, mask, face. Goggles and gloves. Uh, now you're wearing PPE. I just love Jonathan Papson, and um, he was a very close, uh, a, a close one for my crush of the week. Caro, thinking about stage four and shopping, and the fact that it is rather difficult to uh, get anything other than anything from the pharmacy or the supermarket that's allowed, but nothing else. I wondered what kind of shops or shopping or items that you are most missing. Well, you know the answer to that, Corrie. <laughs> you know not being able to go and get a blow wave, as shallow as it sounds, is really frustrating. The other thing I really miss is 
not that I go shopping often with someone else, but I really enjoy walking to the market with Brendan. Like that was just to become a bit of a weekly ritual for us. And you can't go shopping with anyone else now. Um, so that's really, that's a bit tough. You know, shopping in pairs is fun and halves the job, I guess. No, they're the two. The um, the lack of hairdressers is, um, as you can see, because you're looking at me through a screen, is um, a bit of a problem. Um, oh, right, we've got right. a few... Right back, right back at your sister. I you have, did tell me that a beanie's good. Wash your hair and dry it and then wear a beanie and that sort of sets it. Is that true? It is, absolutely. It, it just keeps it a bit flat, particularly if you have frizzy or curly hair, as <laughs> oh. I do. Um, it, it almost works. I, I have a pair of hair irons, as you know, and I know I've had this conversation with our friend Tanya over the years about how often you burn your, your head, your forehead. <laughs> which is which is quite fraught. It's but, bad um, for your hair. You shouldn't be using hair irons, Kyle. Well, I, no, I, I think I'm just going to have to embrace the curls. I have to tell you, Caro, the shopping that I'm missing is lingerie, you know, in particular, desperately needing a couple of new bras. <laughs> it's not something you can buy online, is it? It's, it's a bit, well, you something. can, but, you know, every, every style is different. Well, exactly right. And I think I confess to you, not that we're going to tell potties what – my the most recent bra I bought was the most bizarre size ever. In fact, it had the girls laughing. Um, so I just what did it have a G at the end of it or something? Oh, look, it might have, but it had a very <laughs> tiny number at the start. So it was such a bizarre. You know, like I couldn't possibly choose a bra. Our friend Jess Slattery, Caro, and a and a friend of the pod sent me during the week a terrific article. Thank you, Jeff. It's called Hair Today gone tomorrow and there's a whole lot of um stuff here about obviously how the virus has disrupted many businesses in our lives but talks about the role of the hairdresser in the lives of men and women and it is really extraordinary um it, it there's this incredible there lots of statistics i won't go into them but one of them there were 1200 people customers who were on the waiting list for a new york salon salon that charges $1,000 per haircut upon its June 2020 reopening. So all of these people, obviously, in April and May, put their name on the waiting list for a $1,000 haircut. I mean, that's pretty desperate. <laughs> well, that's all the money they've saved in going out to dinner, I guess, but that is a ridiculous amount of money. Now, before we move on to um, some footy news, you must be very excited because um, Joe Biden has finally chosen his running mate and she is a 55-year-old woman from California of, is it Jamaican and Indian heritage? Correct. Tell us about it. Kamala Harris, Californian Democrat, uh, Senator. Some will remember how she took on, um, took on actually took on Joe Biden during uh, the, the, the debates earlier this year, uh, Oh, over the buses, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, or at the end of last year, actually, Senator Harris herself was uh, running for the candidacy, the US Democrat presidential candidate. She then stepped out of the race. And I have to say, since Joe Biden became the front runner and now the chosen one, she has been 100% behind him on her social media, which is very active. And also she's raised a few million dollars for his campaign from her supporters. So she's been working pretty tirelessly. She was the bookies tip, Caro. As you said, she's the daughter of two immigrant parents, an Indian-born mother who is um, a, a leading cancer research um, 
doctor and her Jamaican-born father. It's a really good choice, I think, Caro, for Biden. She uh, will appeal to the moderates in the party. She's highly regarded within America's African-American population. She has a strong record in tough law and order reform from her time um, in California. And she is particularly good under pressure. She's tough. She's a good debater. And what I love about her most is she's not afraid of Donald Trump because in the end, Caro, that's what's going to really um, make or break this election campaign for the Democrats. They've got to be able to stand up to Donald Trump who's going to throw everything at this, including the power of the Soviets who seem to be helping him again this time around. Um, Yeah, so I think she's a really good choice. They seem to have a strong personal connection, she and Joe Biden, despite the debate last year. She was a close friend of Joe's son, Bo, who died of brain brain cancer in 2015. And, you know, you just want somebody, if if you're choosing a running mate, don't you want somebody with whom you have a good rapport? In the end, isn't that what it's all about? So good choice, I Well, we hope they do. Wasn't Mrs Biden a bit upset with her when she took him on over the the bus, the federal bus system. Yeah, yeah, she was. And I gather Mrs. Biden has, um, or Dr. Biden, as she's known, um, has. Sorry, uh, Sorry has, Mrs. B. <laughs> has been um, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden. And um, she has uh, been one of the. Um, one of the nuts that they sort of had to crack, the Harris camp had to really crack. But look, um, good outcome, and I think it will it'll be make it such an interesting campaign. Caro, um, on to the AFL. It's never a week on this podcast unless we talk a bit of footy. You had an interesting story in The Age on the weekend regarding club memberships. It was a bit of good news out of all of this mayhem, which is the 2020 season. I was so pleased for you to, to read that you were saying AFL members have remained loyal to their clubs. Tell me more. In extraordinary numbers. Well, it, it, it's funny that, you know, the AFL looked at, looked at um, the clubs looked at all manner of things early in the year, Corrie, when it looked as though, as Eddie Maguire um, point, said one night in a rather, well, I, I, think, he, um, I think he was speaking with great... Um, Oh, what's the word? It, it was a very turbulent comment when he said there might be a run on the members because that would have that would have cost the clubs hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. Um, to to put it into context, um, West Coast Eagles membership is worth about thirty million dollars a year to them. Even the smallest, poorest club, Gold Coast, their membership's worth about three million. So you know, Richmond, as we know, had we're going to get well over a hundred thousand members this year for the second time. In, or third time, incredibly, only 1% of members or just over have asked for refunds. A lot of them have put their money over to next year in a similar sort of um, vein that, for example, Australian ballet sc- subscribers have done because they're not getting any bang for their buck this year. So in terms of club budgets, you know, Geelong, for example, budgeted for a 30 to 40% um, percent loss of membership. It's now below 10%, and that's just in terms of the money they're getting from their members. And what the clubs have found out is that members really aren't joining clubs for what they get in return in terms of going to games and a, and a seat, a cheap seat. They're joining because they want to feel part of something and they want to support their club. And the clubs have done – some members are compl- – ever since I wrote the article, I've had a bit of feedback saying we want more than just a scarf and a signed jumper. You know, we want more than this. We want more online connection. Hawthorne supporters, in fact, have been quite critical 
of the way Jeff Kennett has been talking to them in his membership letters and what they've received. But overall, the members have been an unbelievable good story. And we all talk about how the players deserve a pat on the back for what they've done to keep the season going. The members have almost a bit like, you know, the members have helped save their clubs. So incredible story, given that, you know, a lot of them are on job seeker and job keeper and not earning any money at all. They've stayed with their footy clubs because they love them. So very good news. Here, here. And also a shout out to um, everyone who is connected with suburban and country footy clubs. They, you know, despite everything, these these uh, gangs of committed locals uh, seem to be just working so hard to keep their clubs alive, which often, Caro, is not just a footy club. It might be a netball club or you know, some other connected associated sport. So well done, everybody, for supporting your club. Caro, I was horrified, horrified to see those Tigers in such a terrible, grubby story as the groping story. What happened it- there? Well, no one can really quite work out why it started or how it started. But in Richmond's case, um, it was two players, Jade and Short, a few weeks ago, and then more recently, Nick Slostone, um, touching the genitals. And in one case, around the back of Mabi or Chol, um, Richmond's um, African player of African origin, um, big um, Ruckman forward. It was in the dressing rooms while they were singing the song. Richmond... Um, they didn't handle it well. They shut down a press conference um, last Friday when Hugh Rimmington, senior journo from Channel 10, came on board and started asking about sexual assault. Damien Hardwick and his media boss shut down the press conference. Um, they say they'd already dealt with it internally. I think they should have been ready for the question and handled it a bit better. But I think they were freaked out by the word sexual assault. Um, you know, Brendan Gale described it as, as a bad look, silly, juvenile it was sort of a lot worse than juvenile, really, wasn't it? I mean, well, I can the, understand. The fact that it was uh, it was more than once, Caro, that's what I think disturbed me most about the footage. You can sort of say, oh, boys being boys first time around, but uh, it, it felt very disturbing, the, the frequency with which it, it happened. Well, Marby or Chol, um, according to the club, is absolutely fine with it. He said that in a statement. He doesn't look fine with it at all in the vision that I saw. And the AFL came on board late. Um, The AFL media, the AFL website actually completely ignored the story for a couple of days, which was very weird. You know, there's talk last week about the independence of the AFL website. They didn't report on it at all for a couple of days. Then they put out a short statement. And then this week, Gillan McLaughlin doubled down and put out a stronger statement and talked about the fact that he was getting some independent, well, not independent because Kate Jenkins has done a bit of work for the AFL already, but um, equal opportunity boss to talk to all the clubs, to all 18 clubs about um, human rights and um, why this is a violation. So they've clearly decided this is a much more serious story that could not be ignored. And I think with Richmond, who hold themselves up to such a high standard with their much publicised, you know, connection and vulnerability and accepting and embracing vulnerability as they did in the year they won their first um, flag of the modern era in 2017, I think that people are pretty horrified that this was going on. And Dan Butler, former Richmond player, was seen doing a similar thing to um, to um, Jay Gresham at St Kilda, and St Kilda have also put out a statement. I just think that um, it sends such a terrible message 
to young men and women to see grown men doing this stuff, particularly their heroes. It's um, yeah, it was awful. And I, I just wonder about who's um, uh, you know, Richmond have got a very ju- uh, a, a rookie footy boss really up there running the hub, and I just wonder if um, more leadership was required to be brutal. Well, what- Watch this space because I don't think that issue is dead in the water. Caro, just super quick, tell me, uh, latest on the uh, grand final, which state are we going to? <laughs> oh, we could. Quite, Imagine if we could. South Australia have put in a big bid this week. Apparently if it goes to Perth, it will be worth a lot more money than Queensland, but my money's still on the Gabba, Corrie. Caro, moving on to crush. I have a crush, but first of all, I just wanted to thank our sponsors of this little podcast, Red Energy. Red Energy, 100% owned by the mighty Snowy Hydro, and that, of course, makes Red Energy 100% Australian. They are an award-winning team. They're really lovely to deal with. We signed up with them a couple of weeks ago. So happy. If you want to read more about what they do, just go on to redenergy.com.au. Caro, my crush is um, probably, uh, I would suspect that you might agree with me on this one. Um, It's the anonymous nurse who had the courage to speak with the ABC earlier this week about her experiences of working in the quarantined city hotels in Melbourne in April. And we know now, of course, that this prompted Melbourne's second wave of virus And, of course, it's resulted in this current stage four lockdown. In her interview, uh, the nurse revealed the lack of guidelines, um, the lack of experience, the lack of correct health protocols, and the many ways quarantine guests tried to get around the system, which in some cases, of course, resulted in further spreading of the virus. Uh, hats off to uh, this anonymous nurse. It's never easy to be a whistleblower. Daniel Andrews and the Department of Health and Human Services and the security firms, everybody reading or listening to this story during the week, they must have shuddered in fear, and so they should about these allegations that she has made. Um, And hopefully all will be revealed as the Victorian Hotel Quarantine Inquiry gets fully underway. So what she, about the public servant who was trying to sell sly grog, set up a sly grog business? I tell you what, Carol, you know, you and I as journalists, we often over the years we've either used or we've listened to that mantra in the public interest. But I tell you what, that anonymous nurse has absolutely acted in the public interest. And as she said to the reporter, if more people had spoken out from the start, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Um, so, yeah, um, hats off to her, as, uh, as I said. Now, BSF, Caro, books, screen and food, and you have a book. I do, and I'm thanking you for this, Corrie. It was um, part of a pile you very generously um, offered to me a few months ago, and I put this – I don't think you were sure about it. You were sure about it at the time, but I picked it up the other day because I read a review of it that was very positive – I cannot put it down. I've got to be honest, I'm three quarters of the way through. I haven't finished it in time for the podcast, but I can already tell you it is an absolute page turner. Great story. It's by Anna Downs, um, an English woman who now lives on the north coast of New South Wales. She has written a novel called The Safe Place. It's been compared to many other books, including Rebecca, which I think is a bit of a stretch. It actually reminds me a bit of The Night Manager, you know, that brilliant um 
show. Um, oh, it was an English drama on a few years ago. Um, anyway, yeah. it is a story of um, an out-of-work young actress who's a complete mess-up in her personal life in London, gets offered a mysterious job working on a equally mysterious and very odd French estate. It's paradise, or is it? It is It is just, it, it's sort of a thriller, it's a romance, it's a human story. Um, I know a couple of other people who've read it and they all recommend it, so this is a great one to get you through lockdown. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, Carol, there's been a huge word of mouth about this and a lot of uh, social media promotion of the book. But we are we have just uh, taken, um, I think our, the first lot we ordered maybe in the bookshop was about 20 copies, gone, gone in two days, and our second batch has just arrived. So there's a bit of movement at the station with that one. Now, you've been, um, speaking of books, you've been watching a book turned into a screen. I think, was it Netflix, this new series? Uh, no, look, it's, it's actually uh, Prime, Amazon. It's called Little Fires Everywhere. Um, some of our potties would have watched it and loved it, I'm sure, or read the book. It's by Celeste New, print, pr- spelt N-G. Um, it's Reese Witherspoon's picked it up. God, I hope she gets gets her um, mitts on the safe place too because she'll do a great job with that. Um, but anyway, this is um, the story of an American town shaker and the various people in the story. The two stars are Kerry Washington, who plays um, a mysterious single mother, an artist who comes moves into the town, and Reese Witherspoon, who's as as I said, her Hello Sunshine production company has taken on this story. Boy, is Reese some um, hasn't she kicked on with oh. this production company? She's done some great shows. She um, outacts Kerry Washington in this, who I think overacts. Um, Kerry Washington, as I said, is the single mother. Reese is the perfect cookie cutter soccer mom with four seemingly perfect children, but are very, very far from perfect. And um, it's basically the story of a town, their prejudices, people's judgments, and it's also a bit of a mystery dating back to a work of art that was a, a photograph that was taken in New York back in the 90s. I've got to say um, people who've read the book say the um, show is very different, but, Corrie, it's a perfect binge. For one thing in the book, the Kerry Washington character isn't black. She's just a single mother. I think she's. you presume that she's white, but the fact that she's black in the, in the uh, miniseries is a very, very big part of the story. Um, because this town is meant to be the first sort of model of racial integration in America, when in fact it's far from that. Um, Oh, look, you can't stop. You can't stop watching it. It's just, it twists, it turns, it goes everywhere. And um, even though the ending is different than the book, I'm told also by our friend Emma Quayle, lady recruiter for GWS, she really enjoyed it as well. And everyone I know who's watched it really enjoyed it. So I can thoroughly recommend it. Carol, have you got off that sofa this week? Yellowstone, little fires everywhere. I've only no, I've only done um, I've only done one um, Yellowstone in the last week because of this one. No, I did it over three nights. I did stay up till midnight to watch the last one when I probably should have been watching the footy, but I couldn't stop. It's Reese Witherspoon is a very good actress, a very yes. good actor, and she's a as you said, she's a very good businesswoman as well. 
And um, and and a bit of a plug to Reese's Book Club too. If you haven't joined it yet on Instagram, Potties, it's a great source of interesting books to read. It's a it, she runs it a bit like the Oprah Oprah Winfrey Book Club of years ago. Uh, she just picks a book once a month, has a bit of a chat about it on Instagram, and then the book sales go through the roof. So well, this is this is a classic melodrama, and and Reese's husband, who is a very strange sort of hopeless sort of character. Um, the kids reminded me that he was actually one of the original kids from Dawson's Creek, so we had a bit of a laugh seeing him in old age. But anyway, no, look, I, I can thoroughly recommend it and The Safe Place. But you, on the other hand, have been cooking, Corrie. Well, no, actually, Caro, this is the big secret. I haven't. So I wanted to talk about our friend Sarah Kirby's business, which is called Map 58. And if you want to find out more about it, it's you just go on, on uh, online to Map 58 dot online that's the website and sarah cooks terrific food that they deliver to your home in melbourne obviously map 58 of the melways that's the connection and uh the other night i thought i just can't be bothered doing yet another something out of otolenghi or whatever i've been cooking out of and i called map 58 ordered a couple of things in well the other night we sat down to the most beautiful beef bourguignon I have ever tasted. I know that's a big statement. And I that must, is. I do love cooking a beef bourguignon myself, but Sarah's, uh, Sarah has nailed this and honestly put me to shame. I won't be eating beef bourguignon anywhere else. Well, I might actually if one of the nice restaurants in Melbourne ever reopens, but um, I'm not going to go through uh, the whole recipe, uh, Caro, because as all good beef bourguignons, there are lots of ingredients, but none of them difficult to find. Most of them will be in your cupboard. But um, Sarah has very kindly given us the recipe. She's a fan of the podcast. I'm always a bit reticent, Caro, to ask a cooking professional for their recipe. It's a bit like giving the trade secrets away, but she was absolutely delighted to do so. So Miss Jane will pop that on the Facebook notes um, and uh, our show notes and also everywhere else that you happen to be able to find us. But it's a fabulous recipe. But I did want to just mention Matt 58. If you're just a bit tired of cooking her, her she, oh, Carol, what have we eaten of Sarah's? The beautiful chicken pie, which I'm mad on. We had, we had her, I've got to admit, we had her buttered chicken last week. And that is absolutely brilliant. She makes a great lasagna. And I think she's doing a thing at the moment, like a weekly meal every week, and sometimes we order that, and it comes with everything, including pudding. I, I don't know how she does it for the price. She's so reasonable. So anyway, yeah, I, I endorse that plug, Corrie. Now, Cara, you're grumpy, but not about Sarah's food. You're grumpy about something else. No, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be grumpy about Sarah's food. Um, this is going to be the most self-indulgent, ridiculous whinge but I have finally, you mentioned the grand final. I have finally realised this week that I probably won't be going to the grand final. I've not missed a grand final since um, Clem was a new, Clementine, who is now well, about to turn 24, was a newborn baby. And I was feeding her at home on the sofa watching um, remember, the Sydney Swans. I, do you remember playing North Melbourne? I came over and sat with you. Yep, you did. You and I watched it together and we were burping and feeding and looking after Clem as a tiny wee baby. I remember that day so well. Well, it was a long time ago and that's the last grand final I didn't go to. And um, unless we can somehow get ourselves as a team, and I'm meaning footy classified up to Queensland, 
all Western Australia, but I think Queensland. I re- I won't be going for the first time, and oh, it's it sounds ridiculous. And I've been so fortunate to get a front seat to the best sporting, I reckon, the best sporting event in certainly in Australia and potentially wider. Um, but I'm not going to be there this year, and I just think it's going to be so weird. A few unfortunate comments about the Brownlow, which I think will definitely be in Queensland as well. Um, did I hear one well-known commentator the other day say, it'll be terrific up there. Think of um, what the girls are going to look like in the warmer weather <laughs> with their outfits. Oh, on so many levels, Kara, I am speechless. That is a shallow, ridiculous grumpy. There you go. No, Caro, I just wonder if uh, if Richmond was in the granny and you were offered through one of your various work outlets an opportunity to go back, would it be worth the quarantining? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> quar- are you kidding? Quarantining in a resort in Queensland with a few books and um, my iPad and um, a swimming pool and grounds to walk on, <laughs> I would be there in a minute. <laughs> Less okay, than. But- on to six quick questions, and my question to you, and I want you to just give Potties a bit of a backstory, so it will be a slightly longer six quick questions. Can you still have friends if you have to buy your own lemons? Look, um, this was brought up on uh, Virginia Trioli's show a couple of weeks back. I think somebody said to Virginia, if you have to buy lemons, you don't have friends. Well, that is the meanest, and as one of my children said, it's almost a class comment. Not everybody's got a garden with a lemon tree. I don't. I depend on you and your dad. (laughs) Well, yeah, I personally don't have to buy lemons, but we all have the odd occasion when lemons are out of season and you do have to buy them. So to all those people who think, um, feel sad that they don't have friends because they do buy lemons, no, not true. But um, it is a good time at the moment. They, My trees are dripping and, um, in fact, Corrie, I owe you a bag. So, yes, no, no. the answer is no. Now, Corrie. Caro, that, um, that little debate or that comment, I think it was a listener calling into Virginia Trioli and at the end of her recipe that she gave, she said, well, you, if you don't have any lemons, you can't have any friends amongst you. Apparently, it has just set the cat among the Melbourne pigeons. People are in a, in shock about the exclusiveness of that comment. Well, 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 only because you know it, the inference is that you know you need to have land and a tree, and not everyone's got that. Now, Corrie, what's your favourite case of nepotism this week? Um, it's a journalistic nepotism, Cara, which you know is always very close to my heart. I'm a big believer in it. Dr Norman Swan, who is my pin-up at the moment, the ABC's Scottish-born award-winning health reporter, he is the father of Jonathan Swan, the 35-year-old US-based Axios journalist who last week took on Donald Trump in one of the most terrific interviews I have ever seen. It reminded me of the the Frost and Nixon, uh, you know, um, what year was that? About 1977, I think, or 76. Um, and uh, when David Frost took on the former president, yep. um, Richard Nixon, which just ended up being becoming folklore. Well, I have a feeling that young Jonathan Swan, who was just tenacious, respectful, accurate with his information, I just have a feeling that, that that could be a game changer in this US presidential campaign. Interesting. He comes from good stock, the old um, Jonathan. Caro, uh, should Victorian Health Minister Jenny McCarkos have tweeted her own personal apology 
and coronavirus angst on the weekend? Well, it certainly caused a, a bit of a stir, didn't it? I'm not sure in the long run whether it's been bad or good for the government. I haven't enjoyed the inference that, you know, he did it all after midnight on a Saturday night, inference being, you know, he was up late for whatever reason. I think um, Jenny McCarkos's Greek heritage is something that makes her, and I, I don't think I'm racial profiling here, but she's an, clearly emotional. She's one of those people like our friend Trudy, who's always up after midnight, you know, gets her best work done late at night. I think people like apologies. I mean, I think it's good to put your hand up and apologise. Well, and I don't know whether she, she knows people too through the St Basil's nursing home, where so many older people have died of the coronavirus. She's been quite intimately involved with this, not just as health minister, but on a personal level. Yeah, and she showed. Look, I think you know she showed her vulnerability. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Whatever, wherever she ends up out of all of this, and as we're talking, the inquiry into all of that's going on, so we don't know. But um, oh, look, I don't know. I don't think I'm biased. I didn't mind it. Now, Corey, on August 16, we celebrate the birthday of Georgette Heyer. Heyer, Heyer, born um in 1902. Also wrote under the name, did she write under the name? No, that was Victoria Holt was Jean Plady, wasn't yeah, she? she was Victoria Holt. No, anyway, George, are you a, hey, what's the question, Caro? Are you a fan? Oh, look, I am a bit of a fan. Georgette Hare, probably, arguably, the great Regency romance writer of, uh, well, you know, ever, ever. I mean, Regency I, Buck, I, that was one of my favourites. Yeah, I, I couldn't even put Barbara Cartland in the same category, nor Victoria no. Holt. I, love, I loved Victoria Holt, but Georgette Hayer was a very skilled writer. She was incredibly prolific, Caro. She pretty much wrote a novel a year, sometimes two. She also had a series of detective novels, which I've never tried. I'm sure your mum, Julia, has. Yes, I've read a couple. Apparently they're terrific. But... Um, to say that I'm a fan, uh, not yet. I'm probably a fan in waiting. When my mother died, I discovered in her bookcase, I knew she was reading a bit of Georgette Hare toward the end there because she found Georgette quite comforting. Um, but uh, there are over 30 books and I have now bought them home. So one day I'm going to tackle mum's collection. But I do remember as a youngster, I read Regency Buck, as you did, and also The Grand Sophie. Those are the two that I remember reading. Yeah, so that was a good one. I'm definitely a fan in waiting there. Caro, Ninja My sister's Warrior. got our family collection. She loves her, and we all read her as teenagers. Our friend Marjorie Johnson's sister did a wonderful um, – she's an expert. Biography, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, Ninja Warriors, yes or no? Look, I, I don't watch Ninja, but I am a big fan of <laughs> of what it has done for the Nine Network and Beck Madden, who has done a great job as co-host – um, this show is through the roof ratings-wise, and I hear about it every week from the girls in makeup and wardrobe because it's been such a big hit and um, obviously it's been great for the network this year. Um, but, no, we've got friends who are addicted to it, Corrie, but no, not me. Not me on a Sunday night. I prefer the um, drama, British drama on the ABC. Yeah, Shetland any time, Caro. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, if you sit up on su Sunday night, you can go Shetland, Vera, Vanity Fair and then the Bletchley Circle San Francisco at the moment. It's a it's a marathon and it's wonderful. And then like Jenny McCarkos, you can tweet after midnight. <laughs> Corey, what lockdown four behaviour is really annoying you this week? 
Oh, people who stand in the fruit and veg department and lick their fingers to open the plastic bag because they can't open it. Oh, well, that's because it's hard to open. Yeah, wait, Caro, wait. And then they put their lettuce or their Brussels sprouts or whatever in the bag. And then they go around doing things like feeling the avocados or touching the oranges. I must say I read this complaint or this grumpy during the week from someone somewhere. I don't know whether it was Instagram or The Age or no idea. So I apologise for not attributing it to the author. But when I read this, I went, man, oh, man, I have seen it. It drives me nuts. And I think people just don't lick your fingers and then go and touch all the fruit. Honestly, what's the point? Well, I know it's quick questions, but it's very hard to buy an avocado without giving it a little feel, you must admit. Well, it is, but don't don't lick your fingers. Yeah, don't lick your fingers. The bag. It's really <laughs> bad. Um, Carol, I look forward to seeing you sometime soon in the flesh. Um, and I do thank Miss Jane particularly today because when we're both – offline at home doing this via computer it presents Janie with all sorts of challenges and of course you and I miss seeing her beautiful floral display but um Jane a big thanks from us thanks to our podcast oh she's holding them what are they Jane they're beautiful geraniums they're homegrown violets which smell divine and some geraniums I have a feeling. Did you nick those geraniums no, from somewhere, Jane? I grew them from cuttings after Caro mentioned them a couple of years ago and saying how, how great geraniums were. So I finally got a garden oh, for You clever girl. You've got a little bit of green foliage there too. Well done. Smells beautiful. Take a photo. Stick it on our Instagram account, Jane. Thanks, of course, to Red Energy. We love your support. We really appreciate appreciate it and to all our messengers out there you guys are so wonderful with your feedback and your comments we really appreciate it please keep sending how you're feeling tips ideas feedback bricks brick bats and bouquets to our don't shoot the messenger facebook page or you can um, contact us via the instagram page which is at don't shoot pod and you of course you can email us as well to feedback at don't shoot pod.com And I just a special personal thank you to all of the potties who are coming into the bookshop or ringing us. Well, they can't come into the bookshop at the moment, but they're ringing us to buy books. I'm so appreciative. Caro, great to talk. And what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Cooking, enjoy Tuesday with Ash Pollard. Really, the people around here truly lived farm to table. I know it's trendy now, but it was necessity back then. For parents, Mum Plus One with Joe Stanley. At the height of coronavirus lockdown, I gave up on all screen time restrictions. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's lifestyle podcast available from your podcast provider and the SEN app.